this morning. We have a very simple biblical message. It's right there in your notes, so I invite you to find that. Always wanting more hurts me. And always wanting more hurts you. But being thankful helps me and helps you to enjoy life. And it doesn't matter whether you have, have less or whether you have more or anything in between. So many of us, and certainly this is true of our culture, of our society, but also many of us as the people of God fall for this myth. The big myth that more is better. More money is better, more toys is better, bigger is better, more success is better, more achievements are better. Anything that you have, if you have more of it, well, that's better. Now, we're in that time of the year, and somebody uh, shout out, what season of the year are we in? Christmas, you're exactly right. You know, we think it's, it's fall, we just celebrated a Reformation or Halloween, we had the candy, and we skip right over Thanksgiving. We have one day of the year where we, we think we ought to come together and thank God for everything, and then, well, all we, are, all we have, we're inundated with ads about all the stuff that we think that we need. So how many of you last year got something really nice for Christmas? Anybody get anything really nice for Christmas? A lot of you did. If you didn't, well, your loved ones, you better whisper in their ear, make a better list, so you get something really nice this year. So what, what, what the world would have you believe is, is, is that as long as you get that one gift or that one thing or that great thing, then you are in utopia. Uh, it, it's full of bliss that you're happy and you're content and and you don't need any more until, well, of course, next year. So those of you that got that really good gift last year, was it utopia? Are you filled with bliss? Are you still happy? What if that thing broke? And we're not just talking about, you know, kids with toys, but, you know, the big toys that we as, as adults get. And so we play this if-only. We play this if-only game. It truly is a game. Now, I'm going to go through this really quick, but you could fill in your own blanks. If only I had a new car, right? If only I had a new car, because you've seen mine, my, my rusty odyssey out there. If only I had a new car, I would be happy. If only I had a bigger house, a better job, any of these things, then I would be happy. And we play this game from the time that we are little on. We get in, into maybe preschool, and we think, wow, it's going to be great when I get into kindergarten. Then I'll really be happy. Or first grade, then I'll really be happy. Or middle school, then I'll really be happy. And then we graduate, and we think, if I only get into high school, then I'll really be happy. And freshman year isn't so great. Only I'm a sophomore or I'm a senior, when I graduate, or when I, when I get that first job, or, or when I get married, or, or when I have kids. And then a lot of you are thinking, well, now that I have kids, if I could only get rid of the kids, and they move out, then I'll be happy. So we spend much of our life thinking that happiness is on the other side of a future event. And we don't enjoy the now. We don't enjoy the blessings that God pours into our lives right now. 
And it isn't just these future events. Sometimes it's the overcoming of difficulties. So let me ask you, anybody here ever have any difficulties? Raise your hand. Is, is life sometimes tough? Raise your hand. Is it sometimes hard? Yes, yes, yes. We know life is hard. And so sometimes we think, well, you know, if it work, I have this big project. I've been working on it for months. As soon as that is passed, if I survive that, well, then I'll be happy. Or if I have this problem or this challenge, if I have a relationship that if, if it only gets better, well, then I'll be happy. And so at work and in, and in life, what always happens after you get over one hump, when you survive one thing? You have another one, right? You have next week that comes along and you have another project or another challenge or another difficulty. And we call that life. Life is not easy. So as we continue to go through, don't always look to the future. Now, little history lesson here. Declaration of Independence, are you tracking with me? What are the three inalienable rights that we are promised? Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And that's a good thing. They're all good things, things that we want, maybe even need, but it's the pursuit part that we often focus on. And so, wanting more and more and more. And then we get the more, and as you heard in the children's message, the toys break, the money is spent, our health deteriorates, our loved ones die. And if that was our pursuit all along, then we still have this hole right here in our heart, and we're filled with despair. And so I want to give you just a, a couple of things this morning. The first one here is in your notes. I want you to learn to simplify, all right? Learn to simplify your life. I know some of you are in the declutter club here at Emanuel. It's a great thing. Usually when you get to about my stage of life and the kids are, are, are gone and, and you realize you've still got all their stuff and you want to get rid of some of it and maybe you begin to downsize, or simplify. So this is what I would like for you to do this week. Make a list, all right? Make a list of those things that you actually need. Do you ever notice that as you get older that the things that you used to want, now you think you need? Well, make a list of what you actually need. And then maybe just get rid of some of those stuff, some of those things that you don't need. You can give it to Goodwill. You can give it to Salvation Army, maybe Savers. Please do not bring it to a man, okay? We don't need any more of your junk, all right? Just saying. Don't bring it to my house either. And just see if you aren't happier. Now, there's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's not even anything wrong with trying to achieve more, gain more. But if that is where your contentment and your joy comes from, then that is a big problem. Now, it sounds like this is easy, but we're going to see that it's not. There's this old adage that says, the richest people are not those with the most money, but with the fewest needs. You could even cross it out word richest and say the happiest, 
for those who are the most content. So we could begin with getting rid of all this stuff, getting along in life with less. But here's the problem. I know people who have done this, who have decluttered, who have simplified, who have downsized. And you know what? They're still not happy. They're still not happy. Because they continue to fall into this trap that they still need something more. You see, it's an inside job. Unless your heart changes, then your attitude isn't going to change either. So we begin with this. Here's the true antidote, and that is to have an attitude of gratitude, to give thanks to God for all your blessings. And I know there in, your, in, the, in the notes I've, I underlined blessings, and that's great, but you might circle the word all. Give thanks to God for all your blessings. We have a verse here from, from the Gospel of John. From the fullness of God's grace, we have all received one blessing after another. All good things come from God. So how often do you give thanks? Let me ask you this. How often should you? Always, every day. Every morning when you get up, throughout the day, when you see all the blessings that God has given to you. So, right after church, let's say you have that rusty 2010 Honda Odyssey, and you go out there, and instead of wanting something very brand new, kind of have a Tesla on my mind, instead of doing that, how about giving thanks to God? That you have transportation at all. Because so many people do not. When you get home from church and, and you uh, open the, the front door and it's a little creaky, or as you look at your neighbor's house and all the great things that they have, or you think about your brother or sister, you're going over there for Thanksgiving and you, you love all that they have, how about just appreciating that you have that roof over your head? Or when you think about your kids because they annoy you just a little bit every now and then, let's be grateful for the ones that we have. And when we go to work and we complain <laughs> about our less than perfect environment and those less than perfect employees or our boss or whomever it might be instead appreciate who they are and maybe even what we do for them. So as important as it is to, to appreciate the good in your life, the things in your life, because then more good appreciates, let's really give thanks for the people that God has put in your life. Now, when, when we say that the more we appreciate good, it doesn't mean that we get more stuff, because what did we already say? More does not bring contentment. What the saying is that the more that we appreciate good, the more we appreciate God, who is the giver of all good things. And it begins not with the things so much, but with the relationships that we have, the people that God has placed into our lives. Now, a study was done to show that, and I want you all to put up one hand, put up one hand. Somebody tell me, how many fingers do most of us have? On one hand, there are... Five, right? There are five. 
So research says that every single one of us needs at least five affirmations every day. At least five. So everything else being equal, every single one of us needs to be affirmed. We need something positive. We need some kind of an accolade. We need some kind of praise. All right, so that's five. We're good with five. So, and I know this is none of you, none of you, but do you know anyone who ever complains? Do you know of anyone who ever criticizes other people? Surely not you, but others. I know others. Maybe someone at work. So if you have that person at work, put up this number. Seven. You see, we all need five if everything else is neutral. But if there's something negative, for every negative comment, for every complaint, for every criticism, we need seven words of affirmation. So that makes 12 just off the bat. If there is one, if there is two, then it gets up to 19, and away and away and away we go. So let's begin to give thanks, first of all, for the people that God has put in your life for your spouse, for your children, for your co-workers. And then we get to the real secret, which isn't actually a secret at all, is it? Paul writes this, For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, any of you ever been in need? Raise your hand. I, we, we are. Let's. It's not just the people in third world countries. We're, we're in need. We have emotional needs. We have spiritual needs. We have physical needs. We've probably been there more than once. Like Paul, we can say, I know what it is to be in need. But what about the other part? I also know what it is to have plenty. And certainly here in America, at least relatively speaking, compared to most of the world, we've known plenty. And then he says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every, in need or in plenty or any place in between. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So often in the church, we have misunderstood this passage especially the very last line. How many times have we said to our children, parents, you can do everything, or you can do anything through God who gives you strength. If you put your mind to it, if you ask for God's blessing, if you have enough faith, you can be in the NBA. You can be a major league baseball player. You can get that college degree. You can build the big house. You can get the A on the test. Well, I'm here to tell you, I don't want to burst your bubble like these here, but if you are five foot six and you can't shoot, you are not going to be in the NBA. I am sorry. Unless you're Muggsy Bogues, I don't think you have a chance. Just because you put in all the work doesn't mean that you're going to make the major leagues. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get into that Ivy League school. You may not get the perfect job. You may not even get the A on the test. What Paul is saying is the secret of being content. 
And he was in prison when he wrote this. And he was about to be executed. He says, I can be content whether I get out of jail or not. I can be content whether I live or not. I can be content whether I get that dream job or not. I can be content whether I get a C if I put in my best effort and not the A. I can be content whether I make the team or not. Because Jesus Christ will give me the strength to do it. And so I can have more in life and I can have all of these blessings and I can praise God for that. Or I may not get everything that I want and I can praise God for that. You see, if your contentment and your joy and your happiness depends on circumstances, there's going to be a lot of days when you're not very happy. Because circumstances change. But if your focus is on the God who gives you your blessing and who never changes, then every day you can be content. In your baptism, Jesus claimed you as his own. And he put his name there on your heart. And he's promised to always be with you no matter what. And the same God who makes that promise to you is the one who went to the cross and shed his blood so that your biggest need, forgiveness and reconciliation with God the Father and your eternal salvation, was taken care of. And so this adage is still true. The richest people, the happiest people, the most content are those with the fewest needs. And all we truly need is what we already have. And that is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he lives right here. And he's not going anywhere. Amen? Amen. Let's all rise then and make profession of our faith.